Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to this Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, uh, a day of celebration, a day of, uh, of focusing our thoughts uh, on the cross of Christ as we enter into this holy week. We're glad that you are here today, and we hope that God is going to bless you in a very special way today as we, do, as we do focus our thoughts on the cross of Christ. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and, and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. And, um, and, and a, a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, let me ask... If everyone would pass the attendance sheets down, if you would sign those and give us the information uh, that you would feel comfortable giving us there, and especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, uh, please uh, indicate on there and, and uh, give us your email address. We'll be sure to get you on our list. And all of our guests especially, we would like to ask you to drop by our hospitality table over here. We have a, a gift for you over there, uh, uh, a little um, uh, Green bag, is that what we call it? A green bag uh, for uh, recycling and stuff that has our logo on it. We'd like to have that, like for you to have that as our um, appreciation for your visiting with us today. A few announcements. Uh, let me remind you of our Sunday school competition. We are uh, in the midst of a competition that's been running all through the season of Lent. Uh, and uh, we have one more week. This will be ending up next week. And the last I heard, Mary Rye's class was in the lead. I'm not sure about today. Do you know? Neck connect with Herb's class. Okay, so it's uh, it's it's close. But next week will be the uh, the final tally on this, and uh, we'll present our awards after that. And uh, so, all right, classes, you know what you need to do next week. Get everybody here. Um, also, we have a lot of things going on. Next Saturday, we'll be having our Children's Fest, our Children's Easter Fest. That's Saturday between 10 and 12, and we invite all of our children to come and to bring your friends. And if you know children out there, uh, to invite them to come. It'll be a great time. There'll be face painting. We'll have some uh, bouncing houses and, and uh, Easter egg hunt and uh, snacks and great Great fun. It'll be, it'll be just a wonderful, wonderful time. So we invite you to come and be a part of that. Then, of course, uh, we've been going through our Lenten series uh, with the different churches around town. Uh, this week, it will be a little bit different since it's Holy Week. We will not be having a Lenten lunch on Wednesday like we have throughout Lent. Instead, we will be having lunch on Thursday, on Monday, Thursday uh, at Zion UCC. And uh, then on Friday, Good Friday, we will be celebrating at Holy Name. Um, that'll be at noon, and we'll have a brief service and then uh, lunch afterwards at 12:30. And also, you see the beautiful flowers and the uh, the ferns and the greenery that we have here. Um, these are beautiful. Thank you so much for that. All of this will be for sale after the service next next week. And so if you would like to purchase one of these, I guess see uh, uh, Greg, is that right? See you and and, and uh, he'll take care of that. One other thing, um, I believe that you were given pledge cards, uh, little pledge sheets. Um, some of you were giving those, given those. I think we tried to get everybody as they came in. Um, let me remind you about that. This is for the land acquisition. We have been given the opportunity to purchase three acres of land right across our parking lot here, and we're seeking to do that. Uh, the cost for that will be about $75,000. And so the only way for us to do that is for you to help us to do that. We are not going to go into debt to purchase this land. Uh, and so we are asking you to pledge some money towards this. And, um, and I'll be quite honest, folks, it, in order to do this, it needs to be a, a generous pledge over and beyond. I don't want you to take money out of your regular offering because we got to keep things running here at the church to, uh, here as well. So it has to be a generous pledge. So we're asking you to do that. And if you do not have a, a pledge card and you would like one, would you raise your hand and Pam will, will be sure to get you one? Okay, good, good. Uh, if you don't have one, see her during the greeting time and she'll be glad to give, give that to you. You can fill that out. You can drop it in the offering plate. You can hand it to me. 
uh, you can write a check and just put for the land acquisition in the memo area. So uh, however you would like to do that, we would appreciate you doing that. And, uh, and we're at, right at this point, I think we're at about 44, a little over $44,000. So we have a little ways to go. We're over halfway, but, uh, but we need your help in, in getting this done. Let's stand and uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord. Let's share the love of God with one another today. All right, children, come on forward, and uh, Miss Christine will be leading our children's moment. Come on to the front here, to my left. Come on, children. Good morning. You can come up here and sit on the rug. I've asked Miss Nora to help me today. She's going to show you the pictures while I tell you a story, okay? Jesus and his disciples, they were on their way to Jerusalem for a big feast of the Passover. The city was crowded with visitors. Many of them were hoping that they might see Jesus because they had heard of the wonderful things he had done. However, some of the chief priests and Pharisees, they were hoping to take Jesus prisoner. They did not approve of his teachings, and they were jealous so, because so many people were following him. Now, Jesus, he tried to prepare his followers for what was going to come. He said, we will be going to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be condemned to death. After three days, he will be raised to life again. He was talking about what was going to happen to himself, but his followers, they did not understand. Now, Jesus, he chose to ride a donkey into Jerusalem because it was looked on as a symbol of peace. He wanted to show the people the kind of king he was. He wasn't a warrior king who had come to conquer by force, but he was a peaceful king whose rule was the rule of love. Now when the crowds, when they saw him coming, they spread their coats on the roadway as they would do for a king. Others, they cut branches from a tree and they spread them on the road. And some of the people, they took the palm branches and they would wave them as he came through. It was kind of like a big parade. Have you ever been to a 4th of July parade where people stand on the side of the street and they wave the American flag? Or if you watch the Olympics on TV, they'll, be, uh, they'll have the flags of the different countries, and then they'll also have the flag that's representative of the Olympics that shows the unity of all the countries who participate. And that's kind of, just kind of imagine that. It's like a big parade, and Jesus is coming through, and they're all so happy to see him. And they're shouting, Hosanna, praise to God. God bless, God bless him who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, later that same week, just a few days later, Jesus, he was betrayed by one of his friends, and he was arrested. And just as Jesus has said, they took him to be crucified on a hill called Calvary, and there they nailed him to the cross. Now, during the celebration, I always think of a celebration having like balloons and things like that, so I brought the balloons for our celebration. Now, after Jesus was nailed to the cross. 
and he died that night. Then one of his followers, he went and he took Jesus' body and they put it in a tomb. Now, a tomb would have been like a big cave. And when the celebration was over, they took Jesus and they put him in the tomb. So since our celebration is over, I'm going to put away our balloons. Now, some of the people, they remembered what Jesus had said earlier. Remember, he said he knew he was going to be put to death, but in three days he would rise again. So some of them remembered that, and so they wanted to make sure that the tomb was sealed. So they took the tomb and they sealed it real tight so no one could get in because they were afraid some of Jesus' followers might try to get into the tomb and take his body and then say that he had risen when that had not really happened. So they sealed it up real tight. Now, a week that had started out as a wonderful celebration, a parade, a festive time, within a short period of time, had turned out to be a very sad time for Jesus' followers because Jesus was now in the tomb. But the good news is, this is not the end of the story. Easter is coming, and I hope that you'll be able to come back next week to hear the end of the story, the rest of the story. So let's pray. Lord, we love you. No matter what the world throws at us, it cannot take from us the presence of Christ. Not now, not ever. Let us focus on you and the miracle of your Son. Amen. Thank you. If you'll turn in your Bible, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. The Triumphal Entry of Jesus. When they had come near Jerusalem and had preached Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this. The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and spread and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest of heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. If you'll pray with me. Just as Jesus prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we who have given trespass. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
us pray. God of all graces, thank you for taking such good care of us, for friends and family, for home and health, for love and laughter. It seems that the best things you give us aren't things at all. Sometimes in our chase for success, we forget. Forgive us and help us remember what it means to be successful. For today, may we share not only from our treasures, but from our heart and head, so we may be a reflection of your love and grace. Accept our offering, O God, as our act of worship. In the name of the one who gives without measure, we pray. Amen.
so much, Sarah, for that very powerful, powerful message. On Palm Sunday, April the 9th, 1865, Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrendered to General Ulysses S. Grant of the Union Army at the village of Appomattox Courthouse in Virginia. This surrender ended the bloodiest war ever fought on American soil state against state, brother against brother. It was a conflict that literally tore our nation apart. And then five days later, Good Friday, April the 14th, 1865, America's most revered president, Abraham Lincoln, was shot and mortally wounded by John Wilkes Booth in the Ford Theater. It was Lincoln who wrote the Emancipation Proclamation that ended slavery in the United States forever. It was Lincoln who wrote and delivered the Gettysburg Address. Lincoln hated war, but he was drawn into this one because he believed that it was the only way to save our nation. And on Palm Sunday, the war ended. Triumph, celebration, rejoicing. Happiness. And then on Good Friday, Abraham Lincoln became the first president to be assassinated. Tragedy. Sadness. Grief. Welcome to Holy Week. Welcome to the triumph and the tragedy of the next six days leading up to Easter. That's the kind of world that we live in, the triumph, triumphant end of a terrible war on Sunday and the tragic slaying of the leader who brought us through that war on Friday. One moment we're on top of the world and everything is right and we believe that nothing can go wrong and then suddenly, literally, all hell breaks loose and that, as they say, is life. Go with me now to the year 1942. The first American soldiers are marching into London, and we are entering into the conflict known as World War II. The people of London are cheering as the American soldiers arrive and march through their streets, and such a a friendly reception exhilarates these young men, these young soldiers. They sing as they march. But then suddenly the troops turned into a main street of that of that city, and a strange hush falls over the scene. The happy songs die on their lips, for now they are looking for the first time upon an area that has literally been blown to bits. They see for the first time the great wounds on the city inflicted by bombs, and suddenly they realize that this city has suffered terribly. And so in these young soldiers' hearts, there is One moment of great celebration and then in the next, great sadness and fear. Life is like that. Celebration and sadness. Triumph and tragedy. Do some of you remember the days when we we said that the best investment you can make is owning your own home? Remember when banks were begging people to take out home loans because property values seemed to, destined to, to rise forever? Remember how you, how you could look at the equity in your home and, and feel wealthy? How foolish we were to forget the lessons that, that the stock market gave us scarcely a decade ago. My friends, in, in a free market, bubbles have a tendency to burst and, and all it takes is one little pinprick. 
And it has happened over and over and over throughout our history. But we don't seem to remember those things. We forgot that the stock market crash between the years of 2000 and 2002 caused the loss of over $5 trillion in the market value of companies here in the United States. It can happen so quickly, so quickly. The triumph, we're riding high and then suddenly the tragedy, the celebration and then the sadness. Palm Sunday. Good Friday, life happens. But the amazing thing is that it happened to the Son of God. He was praised and acclaimed on Sunday and then crucified on Friday. It's incredible how quickly things can change. Didn't they realize who this was? Sure, he, he gave up his divinity when he entered into the into the world as a tiny baby, but, but couldn't they see his miracles? Didn't he raise Lazarus from the dead? Couldn't they sense that this was no ordinary man? He was their Messiah. He was their Savior, their, their Redeemer sent into the world by God to, to save the world from its sins. How could they miss that? How could they not know who he was? Well, maybe it had something to do with how he came into the city. He came into the city riding on a lowly donkey. How's that for lowering expectations? (laughs) Kings ride on magnificent stallions, not on donkeys. They ride on in ornate chariots, not mules. They ride in limos, not Yugos. I mean, think about it. Would we vote for a president who rode around in a rusted out old 1970 Ford? No, I don't think so. In our world, image is everything, and apparently it was in Jesus' day as well. The Greek author Plutarch describes how kings are supposed to enter a city. He tells about a Roman general, Aemilius Paulus, who won a great battle, a great victory over the Macedonians. And when he returned to Rome, his triumphant procession took three days On the first day, it was dedicated to displaying all of the artwork that Aemilius and and his army had plundered from Macedon. The second day was devoted to all of the weapons of the Macedonians that they they had captured. And the third day began with all of the rest of the plunder pulled by 250 oxen whose horns were, were gold, were covered with gold and, and it included more than 17,000 pounds of gold coins. Then, they, then came the, the captured and humiliated king of Macedonia and his extended family. And then finally, Aemilius himself entered the city, mounted on a magnificent chariot, wearing a purple robe interwoven with gold. He carried his laurels in his right hand, and he was accompanied by a large choir singing hymns, praising the military accomplishments of the great Aemilius. That, my friend, is how a king enters into the city. But the king of kings, he entered into Jerusalem riding a donkey. If he had consulted his political advisors, they would have been aghast. What was he up to? What's he trying to say here? Leaders are supposed to project strength and power, not humility. But Jesus wasn't listening listening to his political advisors. Instead, he was listening to the prophet Zechariah. For you see, Zechariah envisioned all of this hundreds of years before. The king of kings, the Messiah, not coming into the city on a great stallion, but riding on a donkey. Zechariah also foretold what the Messiah would do. He would cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. And he told us what the Messiah would say. Peace to the nations. Zechariah saw it all. And Jesus fulfilled it. And when you think about it, it's no wonder that Holy Week, Holy Week moves so quickly from triumph to tragedy. For you see, the expectations of the people had been dashed. What they wanted was 
what they wanted and what Jesus wanted was so obviously different. They had voted for change, but the change that, that Jesus proclaimed was different from the change that they expected. I mean, who can live with peace to the nations? Bring the troops home, not when you have enemies who want to destroy you. Even Jesus' disciples expected him to, to raise an army and vanquish their enemies. The two disciples on the Emmaus Road tell of, uh, about the resurrected Jesus whom they do not recognize. And it says that they had hoped that this Jesus was the one to redeem Jerusalem or to redeem Israel. And even after his resurrection, when Jesus appeared to his disciples, they're still asking, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? They wanted Jesus to establish an earthly kingdom and they wanted to be his advisors. Gee, were they disappointed. They wanted Churchill. and They got Gandhi. So some of the crowd turned away from him, disappointed that he wasn't strong enough. Much of the crowd turned against him. So it's not surprising that some of the same people who sang those sweet hosannas on Good Friday, I mean on on Palm Sunday, were shouting crucify him on Good Friday. Celebration. Sadness. Triumph and tragedy, Palm Sunday and Good Friday, the crowds turned their backs on the Son of God. But I think that the obvious question for us is this. Would it be any different for us today? Would we welcome Christ into our community? Would we welcome Christ into our family or even into our church you know, it's, it's not an easy question for us to deal with. It, it may be on, a, on an intellectual level or on some surface level we might say, well, sure we would. But, but you know, it's not that easy. And, and it's a question that we need to really and truly ask ourselves because I'm afraid that sometimes the Christ that we see or that we expect is not the Christ in reality. Just like what took place that last week of his life. Fleming Rutledge in her book titled The Bible in the New York Times tells about a woman in her church who will not come to church on Palm Sunday. She refuses to come to church on Palm Sunday. Evidently in, in their church, they, they reenact the scene in Pilate's courtroom every year at Palm Sunday. And this woman could not stand being asked to shout, crucify him, crucify him. She couldn't stand that. I just can't do it, she explained. I can't do that. Rutledge says, I always felt sorry for her. She missed the whole point. She could have come to church every other Sunday of the year and and she still would have missed the whole point. It was very important for her to, to think of herself as one of the righteous. She could not confront her own darkness and how sad that is. If she only knew it, there's great power in the act of repentance. My friends, can we confront our own darkness? It's important for us to do that. It's important for us to look deep within our hearts and recognize that we're not as righteous as we think we are. And we need to see that. We need to confront our own darkness. Can we confront our own need for repentance? Would we really welcome Christ into our world? For you see, Christ, the real Christ, comes as a disturber, as an unsettler, almost as an anarchist. I mean, think about, think about the things that, that we value in our lives and in our world. We value things like status and power and and money and image. How does all of that square with this humble figure riding a donkey? Not very well, does it? Look at our popular heroes. And and I'm talking about those those action-type movies that most of us guys prefer. How do these heroes spend their time? 
usually blowing things up, seeking vengeance, asserting their dominance over their enemies. Again, how does that square with this humble figure riding a donkey? Do you understand what it means to say that that Jesus is Lord? Do you understand that? It, it, It means that that we need to examine our lives. It means that we need to examine our goals and our and examine what it is that we are living for. And we need to ask ourselves, is this enough? Is this really the meaning of life or or is there more? Are we really following our Lord Jesus Christ? Or are we just sitting back and admiring him? Holy Week should especially be the time for us to reflect upon our lives and to repent as we measure our life against the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Celebration and sadness, triumph and tragedy, Palm Sunday and Good Friday. Life happens, and it even happened to the Son of God. Would it be any different today? I don't think so. I don't think so. About a decade ago, there was an exhibit at the Martin Luther King Center in Atlanta called Without Sanctuary. It was an array of photographs and postcards that had been collected by a man named James Allen. These photographs and postcards were of lynchings that had taken place throughout the United States. Picture after picture of limp bodies hanging from the end of a rope. The images were grotesque and disturbing. But what was most disturbing about these photographs were were not the bodies of the victims. That was hard enough as it was. But but in each of these these pictures, there was a, a gathering of ordinary people who came to witness these atrocities. The lynchings became a a social event. People dressed up for these occasions. They were not to be missed. In one picture, as a body was hanging from the noose, you can see in the background a man smoking a cigar with a huge smile on his face. Others were sipping beer and gossiping and smiling and laughing. A couple on one side in in the background flirts with one another and and enjoys a romantic moment. And little boys beam with broad smiles, seemingly filled with pride to be a part of such an auspicious occasion. Something else that was even more troubling than the fine, upstanding citizens in these pictures. For you see, these images were not only captured on film, but they were also turned into postcards. Postcards, cherished mementos to be mailed to family and friends. I know it. I I know that that you and I are repulsed by these images. But but what I want to remind you of is the fact that these are not images from Jerusalem 2000, 2000 years ago. These are images from America less than 100 years ago. And my friends, the same dark heart that beat in the chests of our ancestors beat within us as well. As much as we would like to think differently, human nature has not changed in the past hundred years. And that's why any appeal to discrimination or prejudice or hatred, whether against people of another race or another religion or whatever that prejudice might be, it cannot be tolerated. Not by people whose Lord was hung up on that cross. Because you see, the same thing happened to him. Palm Sunday. Good Friday. Life happens. It happened to the Son of God and it still happens in our world today. But here's what we need to see. While the cross of Christ reveals the evil that humanity is capable of, it also reveals the love that God is capable of. For you see, ultimately, the the story of Holy Week is a story of triumph 
and tragedy and then triumph again. Not only because of Easter, but but because of Christ's victory over sin and death on the cross. This is why the cross is is so precious to us. This this is why we we put the cross around our necks and and put them on the tops of our churches and hang them on our walls. This is why it, it is so precious to us, because the cross calls us to repentance. But it also reminds us of God's grace, which covers all of our sins even the worst ones. Ed Grennan tells a story about his mother. His mother moved into an assisted living home after Alzheimer's made it impossible for her to live alone. She'd only been there about a week when he got a telephone call from the supervisor. And she said, I hate to tell you this, but your mom's been swiping things from other people's rooms. Socks. Candy, T-shirts, nothing big except one lady's cross is missing. Well, Grennan could hardly believe that. His mom was the most honest person he'd ever known. She, she once drove 20 miles back to a store because the clerk had given her too much change. So the next time he visited her, he, he gently chided her for her pilfering. And she, he said, you've got to stop that, Mom. Then he said, did you take that cross? She shook her head, no. You sure about that? He pressed. She turned away and then she reached into her purse and pulled out the small silver cross. She set it down on the table and stared at it. I wasn't trying to steal, she said. Later, he turned the cross over to the supervisor, apologizing. The supervisor said, no, don't, don't. She said, your mom's a charmer. She's just trying to, to hang on to the things that mean the most to her. So the next time Grennan came and, and visited his mom, he brought his mom a, a little silver cross, and, and she stopped stealing after that. Eventually, she had to move to another facility where she could receive more care and where, of course, she, she charmed the folks there as well. She even led prayers on, on Friday morning there. She had forgotten almost everything else in her life, but the, the prayers came to her lips as, as if she had freshly committed them to memory. And when she died, the saddest people of all were the people that she prayed with on those Friday mornings as she clutched that small silver cross in her hand. You know, I think her story gives new meaning to that line in the old gospel hymn. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. The triumph. And then the tragedy. The celebration and and then the sadness. They cheered Jesus on Sunday and on Friday they hung him on a cross. But God has the last word. For you see, God took that cross, that symbol of of death and hatred, and He turned that cross into a symbol of our salvation and and, and that salvation from the forces of sin and death. Triumph and tragedy, and then triumph once again. Thank God for that final triumph of God. The triumph of Christ over sin and death for the atonement of our sins which took place on our behalf on that cross. Amen. We're going to do things a little differently today. We're going to sing a closing hymn. It's number 156. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? After the song, we will conclude with a Lenten reflection, which is a responsive reading. It's printed in your worship folder there. And at the end of that responsive reading, we will change the colors on the table here from purple, which is the color of lint, to black. 
We're going to do that to recognize the death of Christ and and as a reminder to us that it was for us that he died. And at the end of this reflection, we will extinguish this candle, the last candle of the Lenten season, which is the Christ candle. And this is to remember that Christ's life was snuffed out as surely as that candle will be in just a few moments. He suffered and he died for us. And then after that candle is extinguished, we will leave from here in silence and with a spirit of repentance, knowing that it was us who put Christ on that cross.
Now, at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now, a man called Barabbas was in prison and the rebels who had committed murder under the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them and said, Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him. Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. 